0: The sermon this morning was prepared by Dr. DeVisser. In preparation for this, let us read from Genesis 46 verse 31 to chapter 47 verse 12. And after we'll read Hebrews 11 verse 8 to 16. at verse 31 then, Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house, who were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock. And they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? that you shall say your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth, to even till now. Both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all that they possess, they have come from the land of Canaan, and indeed they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you, if you know of any competent men among them, make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of my years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not obtained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out before, from before Pharaoh, Then Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with bread, according to the number of their families. Now if we flip to Hebrews, Hebrews 11 verse 8. starting at verse 8 then. By faith Abraham Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out from the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the hares with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which foundations whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand by which is on the seashore. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to call them their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So far. Our text for the sermon is taken from Genesis 47, verses one to 12, as we had just read. After the sermon we will sing from Psalm 80, verses one and eight. I apologize in advance if I rush through this a little bit it came on me last minute so we'll, we'll get through it together beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ our text passage is kind of an immigration story Jacob and his family were new immigrants in Egypt They were looking for a place to stay. It is not meant to be a permanent move, as they were hoping to return to Canaan one day. But in the meantime, they were looking for a place where they could live and flourish. We all know that settling into a new country comes with challenges. Many of us have heard stories of parents or grandparents who immigrated to Canada years ago. And even in our own time, we see refugees and immigrants coming from many parts of the world, hoping to find in Canada a place where they can escape the problems of their own country. As we reflect on the history of Jacob and his family, we need to remember that it was a unique group of people. They were God's chosen people. And in fact, the Lord himself, who had told Jacob to leave Canaan and relocate to Egypt, We read this in chapter 46, verse 1-4. to Jacob, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. I will also bring you up again, and Jacob's hand shall close your eyes. But how will this go? How will they be received by the Egyptians? How are they supposed to behave and handle themselves in Egypt. Should they adapt to Egyptian culture as much as possible or should they maintain their own way of life? Should they integrate or stay separate? There is much to learn from this story even for us as Christians in the world today. So I bring you the sermon this morning in three points the Lord settles his people in the land of Egypt. The first point is to sojourn there The second point is to be a blessing. The third point is to prosper and be saved. So the first point, to sojourn. It is important to look at the context. There is a famine in Canaan, the place where Jacob and his children live. In the meantime, Jacob's son Joseph, who had been sold as a slave by his brothers many years ago, has become the viceroy of Egypt a marvelous example of God's providence. You know what happened, how Jacob's sons traveled to Egypt to buy food, how they appeared before Joseph, how Joseph forgave them, how this led to Jacob and his family being invited by Pharaoh to come to Egypt to settle there. Our text tells us what happened when Jacob and his family arrived in Egypt. Joseph, a wise man, decided it would be good to introduce his father and his brothers to Pharaoh. Joseph arranged for two meetings. First, he arranged for the five of his brothers to have an audience with Pharaoh. Then he arranged a second meeting for his father to come and meet Pharaoh. The first meeting with Joseph's brothers was the important one. The goal was to get Pharaoh's permission to settle in Egypt to determine the arrangements and conditions of their stay. In today's language, we would say the goal for the family the goal for the family was to receive permanent residence in Egypt. The second meeting with the old father Jacob was more of a goodwill visit for both sides to honor each other and maintain a good relationship. It was instructive for us to see how Joseph prepared his brothers to meet Pharaoh. He knew that this meeting would be very this meeting would be of two very different worlds. In one hand Pharaoh, the ruler of the most powerful nation in the world, a man used to be used to being treated like a god, a man who had a lot of affluence and excellent food every day with artists and musicians to keep him to keep him happy, to keep him occupied with wives and concubines, to keep him occupied at night. On the other hand, Joseph's brothers and father were shepherds. They were hard-working men, used to a simple lifestyle, rough characters, not familiar with the niceties of high society, used to working with animals. During the day and sleeping in uh, tents at night, They were the kind of people that the Egyptians looked down on. Our text says that the eyes of the Egyptian shepherds were an abomination. As a side comment, it appears that the Egyptians were not very inclusive. If the Canadian government had heard about it, that would not have been good. They would have sent someone down there to give the Egyptians some training in diversity and inclusion. Anyway, Joseph wanted his brothers and their family to have a place to settle in Egypt. At the same time, he can see that the two groups would not mix very well, and this is important. Joseph doesn't even want these two groups to, to live by each other. Joseph prepares his brothers, and he instructs them to present themselves in such a way to Pharaoh that the Egyptians will see that there is some benefit to having these men around, but at the same time, that they have nothing to fear from them. These men do not have big powerful ambitions to become a powerful group in the country. They won't take jobs away from ordinary Egyptians and they will keep to themselves mostly. So Joseph instructs his brothers to present themselves as shepherds. They ask to be allowed to live in Goshen, a part of the country that is good for sheep and other animals. In other words, they present themselves as different and useful and safe. They have not come to Egypt to try being integrated into the Egyptian nation. This also comes through in the word that is used in both meetings, the word pilgrimage, also translated as sojourning. They would like to live in Egypt, but they are not looking to get an Egyptian passport or something like that. This is even stronger in Jacob's testimony. He describes his whole life, all 130 years, as days of pilgrimage. The many years he lived in Canaan, the Promised Land, the years he lived with his relatives, Haran, in the East. My whole life, Jacob says, I have been a sojourner. I never really belonged as a citizen in the place where I have lived. You get the picture. Jacob and his people did not want to settle in Egypt forever. They did not want to integrate with the Egyptian people. They really wanted to be sojourners in Egypt, to work hard, to make a contribution to the country, have food to eat, room to live and grow with their families. But they have not the intention to adopt Egyptian customs or the Egyptian way of life. The outcome of the meeting is positive. Pharaoh is happy to have Joseph's brother settle down in Egypt. He even sees an economic benefit. If you know of any able men among you, he says, put them in charge of my livestock. Sorry. From their perspective, Joseph's father and brothers are happy as well. They get to live in an area that will be excellent for their flocks. They get permission to maintain their own identity and faith. As we reflect As we reflect on this, it is how life of the patriarchs is described in God's word. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants were pilgrims en route to a different country. The only piece of real estate that Abraham ever owned was a burial site, a field with a cave where he could bury his wife. As is said in Hebrews 11 verse 16, these people desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. There is an important message for us in this. The concept of sojourning still characterizes our life as Christian believers today. We have a calling in the world and society, but ultimately our identity is tied up with our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Our daily work is important. We work hard. We make a contribution to the well-being of society in many ways but we maintain our identity as followers of Christ, and our perspective reaches far beyond the present world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to the fulfillment of God's promises. So we move on to the second second point, is to be a blessing. Next we come to the second meeting, Jacob's meeting with Pharaoh. Try to picture in your mind what happened. An old man, a simple shepherd, being introduced to the most powerful man in the world. What a contrast it must have been. On one hand, the glamorous pharaoh on his throne, surrounded by servants and costly perfumes and beautiful art. And on the other hand, an old man in his simple shepherd clothes, with the smell of sheep hanging around him. Normally, someone like Jacob would never have been able to have an audience with the king of Egypt, but since he is Joseph's father, he is received with respect. Even so, Jacob's behavior is remarkable. Normally you would expect a visitor of Pharaoh's court to bow down and go through certain protocol of how you should behave, comparable to how people would have behaved if they had met Queen Elizabeth. Women would have had to curtsy and and men would have had to bow and don't turn your back to the queen. There's a whole list of, of protocols when you're meeting a royal person. Here we have Jacob meeting the most powerful man in the world. What does he do? He blesses Pharaoh twice, at the beginning and at the end. It is remarkable. Think of Hebrews 7, verse 7. The inferior is blessed by the superior. Jacob has something that Pharaoh, with all his wealth and power, does not have, a blessing of the Almighty God. We might be surprised to read that Jacob blesses Pharaoh a pagan ruler but we should not be surprised the Lord had told Jacob "In you and all your offspring all the families of the earth shall be blessed in Genesis 28 verse 14 it goes back further the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed Pharaoh has been good to God's people. Now he receives God's blessing. It showed in the little things, such as able men from among Jacob's sons put in charge of Pharaoh's livestock. It will become very practical soon during the time of famine when Joseph, in his wisdom, managed the food supply in Egypt in such a way that everyone had food to eat. From a New Testament perspective, we know that we are called to be a blessing. Prayers for kings and rulers, working for the good of society, helping the poor and destitute, receiving refugees, producing good quality stuff, working for justice and peace. And yet, the most important blessing that we can pass on to the nation is the gospel. A nation that respects biblical laws and wisdom is a nation that will flourish. You can see it in the history of the world you can still see it today. Why do many people still want to come to Canada? Because we still experience the fruits of Christian influence that has worked itself out in the makeup of our nation. Even though God is not served anymore, we still enjoy the fruits of Christian influence. We do not know what Pharaoh thought of Jacob's blessing. He probably chose to ignore it as odd behavior by an old man who was not familiar with the protocol in the palace. But who knows, Pharaoh had recognized that Joseph was able to interpret dreams with the help of his God. Pharaoh even said, can we find a man like this who is among the Spirit of God? In Genesis 41, 39. As Christians we often think that political rule, rulers are evil and bad and against God. But serious rulers of the nation are aware that there is a higher authority we should not be afraid to interact with political rulers. Remind them that they are answerable to God and let them know that we pray for them and wish them God's blessing as they govern the nation. As Christians, we have an important calling to be a blessing to the nation, to respect the rulers and authorities and to pray for them and to spread the gospel to the nation because it is ultimately Christ's is ultimately in Christ that the nations of the world are blessed. There is one aspect to Jacob's meeting with Pharaoh that I haven't touched on yet, and that is the remarkable testimony that Jacob gives about his own life. I'm sure you noticed that Pharaoh asks him how old he is. We do not always feel comfortable to ask people how old they are. It might not be very polite. And you probably won't ask this question during your first meeting with a person, On the other hand, if the person is very old, it can actually be a good question. Pharaoh is looking for a nice topic to talk about, so he decides to inquire about Jacob's age. And then Jacob gives him this remarkable answer. I'm 130 years old. Few and evil have been the days of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. This answer has caused many people to scratch their heads. Why would Jacob say this? Why so gloomy? Why focus on the negative? Should Jacob have said something more positive like, by God's grace I have had a wonderful life and now one of my sons is viceroy of Egypt? Perhaps Joseph had instructed his father to give a very humble testimony about his life. We don't know that for sure. The question remains, How do we interpret Jacob's testimony about his life? A few comments to begin with. We know for sure that Jacob acknowledged the Lord's blessings. We know this from the next chapter where we find a beautiful testimony when he blesses his children. He says, May the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day and the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, may he bless you too. That's in Genesis 48, verse 15 and 16. With this in mind, again, the question, how do we interpret Jacob's testimony to Pharaoh? I would say two things. First, Jacob's testimony about his age must, be evoked, must have evoked wonder and amazement. 130 years old, he says, but that is nothing compared to the age of my father and his father. Indeed, Abraham was 175 when he died and Isaac was 180. This was unheard of in Egypt. Most people in Egypt died before the age of 50, including the pharaohs themselves. It was considered remarkable if a person reached 70 or 80. Just imagine, here is a shepherd standing before the pharaoh, and he says, I'm 130 years old, and I'm a little young compared to my father's. This would have evoked a question, who are these people? What is their secret to longevity? Who is their God? Second, there is something refreshingly honest about Jacob's testimony. We often feel obliged to say something positive when people ask ask us how we are doing. How are you doing? Oh wonderful, we just came back from camping and we had a wonderful time. Even though the truth could be something like, the camping trip was a disaster, I didn't sleep all week, the kids were fighting the whole time. Jacob is honest. He says, I'm an old man and I've experienced a lot of evil in my life. He is speaking the truth. Think of everything Jacob experienced in his life. He came from a dysfunctional family. His brothers wanted to kill him. His father-in-law tricked him into marrying two wives instead of one, which led to a lot of problems in Jacob's own family, including the loss of his beloved son, Joseph and so forth. We see this more often in the history of God's people. Important leaders often had, a di- often had difficult lives, filled with grief and sorrow. Think of the prophet Jeremiah, think of the Apostle Paul. There is something for us to learn here as Christians. We sometimes feel the need to speak about the Christian life in glowing terms. As if it is always wonderful to be a Christian, but it's better to be honest and just say it the way it is. Christians experience a lot of adversity in their lives. Sometimes it can be helpful to explain. I have struggles with illness, or my marriage hasn't been easy, or my children have given me headaches. But praise the Lord, He has sustained me through everything. I am looking forward to the day that He will receive me into His presence. Think of the word of the Apostle Paul in Acts. Though Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That's in Acts 14, verse 22. And yet it is also true that by God's grace, we experience many blessings already in this life. This leads us to the third aspect, to prosper and to be saved. In verse 11 to 12, Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all of his father's household with food, according to the number of their descendants, dependents, sorry. Here we see clearly how the Lord arranged a savior for his people. Without someone like Joseph to care for them, the future would have been very bleak for God's people. The story of Joseph is well known. How his brothers hated him and sold him away to serve as a slave in Egypt how the Lord used his evil plan to do something good. As Joseph himself said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive. The ways of the Lord are wonderful. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The Lord, in his divine wisdom, decided to take Jacob and his family out of Canaan and move them to Egypt. There they lived for many years as sojourners. They became prosperous and increased greatly in number. Many years later, when they were oppressed and persecuted in Egypt, once again the Lord gave a leader and a savior to his people in the person of Moses. Throughout the history of Israel, the Lord was faithful to his promises, providing for his people, saving them in every new situation, settling them back in the promised land through the time of exile. As we reflect on the role Joseph played for the people of God, we see in him a foreshadowing of the Messiah, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has been given to us for our salvation, for this life and the next. Jacob's family has a powerful, powerful ally in the person of Joseph, the Viceroy of Egypt, We have a powerful ally in Jesus, the Son of God. He is our intercessor, our mediator with God. As the Apostle Paul writes to us in Corinthians, Jesus became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jacob and his sons were shepherds, and they had a shepherd who looked after their well-being in the person of Joseph, We have a shepherd too, and you know who he is. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am known by my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's John 10, verse 15. So here we are, sojourners in the world, en route to a promised land. We will encounter many tribulations as we make our way through this world. But we do have a good shepherd to guide us home. Put your trust in him and follow him all the days of your life. Amen.